Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I want to tell you a story that happened to me about a year ago. So uh, set a bit of context. My car was in for its MOT. It needed to be in the garage two or three days. So I, I was carless and it was half term. And I'd arranged for, for my kids to go and stay with my parents in Sheffield for a couple of days. So I'd planned to drive them over the Woodhead Pass and get them there. And all of a sudden I needed to make different arrangements. So I was like, fine, I'll figure out the British Rail Network. We'll work out how to do this. Uh, I bought train tickets. I jumped on a train at Stockport, got them over to my parents' place, and then I took a train back, um, (coughs) went into town for a bit, and then I was on my way home. Um, Now, to get home from town, I jumped on the metro down to East Didsbury, a fair way from my home, but it was a nice day. I thought uh, I'd quite enjoy the walk. We're getting into the evening. I'm tired, you know, at this point. You know that point in the day when it just kicks in? It's been a long day. You're hungry. You're ready to get home. You're ready to have your tea. The other part of it, though, of course, is with the kids away, uh, myself and Emma had made plans for the evening, we were going to get a takeaway, we were looking forward to this uh, evening together without uh, putting the kids to bed and all all of that, so that was there as well, that was a bit of the dream for the evening. So uh, I'm walking home, Okay, the, the, the combination of the hunger for the food and just the looking forward to the evening and the tiredness is all in me, it's just starting to get a bit dark as well, uh, and I look, uh, and I see something out of the corner of my eye and uh, across the street from me on an intersection between two roads I see a man and this man isn't standing up he's he's lying down on the floor uh, and I quickly realized this man's unconscious and so I have a choice at that moment in time option one is there's an unconscious man on the street I probably need to go and call an ambulance. I probably need to go and help him and invest in this situation, see if I can deliver some help to him. Option two is, I want my tea, I want my evening, I'm tired, and this is a busy road, and there'll be someone else in a minute who can do that. And and so I'm torn, do I go and have my tea, or do I go and help this man? I wonder if you can guess what Bible story I'm going to link this to. (laughs) I wonder if you've ever been in the same position that I was in. I wonder if you've ever had the opportunity to help someone, but doing so would be inconvenient. Doing so would mess with your plans. Doing so would mean sacrificing something that you wanted for yourself. I wonder if you've been on the other end of it as well. I wonder if you've ever been the person in need of some help and somebody has made a sacrifice. Someone's laid something down of their own to give you the help that you needed. Well, this is a story Jesus told. It's one of the most famous stories in the Gospels. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I'm going to read it in a moment, and we're going to look at three characters in the story. And all three of these characters have good reasons not to help someone who's in need. Um, And two of them, they decide not to help. One of them, despite having good reasons, he chooses to help anyway. So we're going to look at this, uh, and then we'll think about and apply it to this Give Big offering that's coming up. So if you've got a Bible, the place will be is Luke chapter 10, 
please do turn there. Um, I'm going to read from verse 30 to 37. So Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So, likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? But he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. That's a story I'd imagine most of us have heard before numbers of times. Let me just give you a bit of background, help you understand what's going on. So we're set on a road from Jerusalem to Jericho. This was a busy road. It was a popular road. It was a road that most people would have travelled a lot. So Jesus is telling a story. It'd be a bit like me telling you a story of something that happened on the M56. I, I tell you it, you're like, oh yeah, I know the road. In fact, when you read the Gospels, you see Jesus himself traveling the Jerusalem-Jericho road numbers of times. Jerusalem was the capital city. It was where everyone went for the festivals, the feasts, and the sacrifices. And the road from Jericho was one of the main roads into the city. The route was about 17 miles long, so people who were on foot or people who were uh, with an animal, it would have taken quite a long time to travel on this road. And over the course of the 17-mile road, there was a 3,000-feet dip, so it was a slopey road. Jerusalem is known as the city on a hill. Jericho, not so much. So if you're going from Jerusalem to Jericho, it's a downhill, steady journey most of the way. Conversely, if you're going from Jericho to Jerusalem, you're walking uphill for your 17 miles. And the terrain around the road, uh, there'd be loads of rocks around there, trees, different terrain, which made it a place for bandits. There was plenty of places for bandits and thieves to hide. It was quite a common thing for what Jesus described to happen. A traveller on the road gets attacked and gets robbed. This was quite... Uh, a realistic scenario. It would be like telling a story about someone who, who walked on their own into a certain part of Manchester late at night and got mugged and their phone got nicked. And you'd hear the story and you'd be like, oh yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah, and I, I know the place, yeah. What you're describing, it's not a stretch to imagine that scenario. And so this man uh, in the story, he gets beaten up, he gets uh, left for dead, half naked, on the floor. He's unconscious. He's in a situation where he needs help. He can't sort himself out. He can't just push himself up and get to a hospital. There wouldn't have been phones to call an ambulance. He was there and his only hope was that somebody would stop and help him. He was relying on the mercy of somebody else. Now, thankfully for the man, someone's passing by. Thankfully for him, there's someone coming along who might help him. Someone has an opportunity to help him. 
And this was a priest. So let's think about who the priests were. They were the descendants of Aaron. They were religious workers. They operated in the temple. So if you went to the temple to make a sacrifice, the people who'd be there and who'd be ministering to you would be the priests. They were uh, quite senior. They were quite respected. You might think of them as like the James Adams of your day. You know, the, the big cheese, the one who uh, ministers the word, the one who oversees the services. Um, or, or maybe a different picture would be like a senior bishop wearing all the bishop clothes, walking down the street. And surely you're thinking, this is a really obvious person to help. This is a perfect candidate to help the person in need. So why didn't he help? Well, I was thinking about it, and I don't know, but I, I wonder a couple of possible reasons why he might not have helped. And the first one is just simply this. Maybe he had too much other stuff going on. So it's almost certainly the case that a priest who was going down the road away from Jerusalem, the reason they'd been making that journey is because they'd just been at the temple. The way it worked with the priests is around the nation, there was lots of priests that lived, but they divided them into 24 groups that they called courses. And then twice a year, your group would be summoned to go to the temple. And then you'd do a week where you guys ran it. And then the rest of the year, you'd go back to the place where you lived. So uh, this was a serving team. This was probably the highlight of the year for the priests. They were in the big temple in Jerusalem doing all the glam things, but it would also have been pretty hectic. But a busy week in the temple. And you, you know this, right? If you've ever had a week off work and you, you're on your way back, you know, like when you're on, on your way on the train or plane back from your holiday and you're just starting to think about work, doesn't that feel stressful? Doesn't that mountain of work that's built up? My experience is when I take a week off, it's not like there's a week's less work to do. It's just there's two weeks worth of work to do the next week. And so you're starting to imagine it. That email inbox that's just ballooned while you were away. Well, this priest was on his way back and maybe he was starting to imagine all that he needed to do. And helping this guy wouldn't have been simple. Helping him would have certainly taken time. Uh, it's not suggested that the inn was right round the corner. Uh, so if he was to stop, uh, he'd have to assess the situation. He'd have to see what needed doing. Maybe he'd have to go back out of his way. We don't even know the inn was in the right direction. Maybe he'd have to backtrack. He'd have to give up his animal. It would slow him down. Everything that he needed to do would have to go on pause to deal with this problem. And I wonder, maybe if... For us as well, one of the main reasons why we miss opportunities that are before us to help out in times of need isn't that we don't want to help, it's just that it catches us at a bad time. It catches us when our mind's on something else. It catches us when we're busy with a project, when we're focused on this, that or the other. So we have to say, no, I can't help you right now, my mind's on this. And I wonder if we're honest with ourselves if most of the time's a bad time. I wonder if most of the time we've got something else going on, something occupying our mind. We fill ourselves so much of the things we want to do that we don't have the space and margin to help when it comes up. Richard Swenson said, margin is the space between our load and our limits. It's something held in reserve for contingencies or unanticipated situations. Sometimes when we don't have that, 
then we miss the opportunities to help. That might be just, just be the time, the headspace, the, the money, whatever it is, to help in a situation. Here's the second reason why I think this priest might not have helped. He might have just run scenarios in his head that started with, what if? And start to imagine how it might go. Here's one for you, right? What if the bandits are still there? Because if you see someone beaten up by the side of the road, that's a clue that there have been thieves and robbers around. Well, if you stop and help, who's the next target for them? Oh, yeah, they've got another victim. as someone else they could rob, someone else they could beat. Maybe it's smarter just to pass on by as quickly as you can and get out of harm's way. Here's another one for him, ceremonial uncleanness. So part of the law in those days was anyone who touched a dead body was ceremonially unclean. And if you're ceremonially unclean, what do you need to do? You need to make a sacrifice at the temple. So he's just been in the temple, he's now on his way home, and if he stoops down and the guy turns out to be dead and he's touched him, he's got to turn around again, he's got to go back to Jerusalem, well that's inconvenient, isn't it? It's also pretty embarrassing, like last week he was the one overseeing the whole sacrificial service, now he's there bringing his own little sacrifice, like, oh I am unclean, please make me clean, it's awkward and it's embarrassing. Now our context is different. I don't think any of us are worried about ceremonial uncleanness, but I do wonder if we run our own what-if scenarios when it comes to opportunities to help. Thinking about financial help, thinking about uh, if we're going to help someone in need. I've had so many people, uh, when it comes to giving to someone in need, say something like, but what if they don't use the money the way I'd want them to? What if they don't spend it wisely? What if they don't do the right thing with it. And that can paralyse us from helping. Now, I'm not saying by be naive. There are ways to give that can mitigate that risk. Um, I do wonder if sometimes we don't actually go as far as finding those other ways and we just say, oh, well, what if they don't use it right? I, I won't bother that. I'll walk on by and just ignore this need. And whilst I'm saying well, whilst I'm not saying let's be naive, I think what I am saying is if the choice before us is we could either be a little bit naive or a little bit cold and callous, I think God would vote, yeah, naive's okay. I don't mind a little bit of naivety. The Samaritan was a bit naive, to be honest, in what he did, and yet he still had God's heart. So whatever the reasons, anyway, the priest decided not to help. But it's okay because there's someone else coming and this other person might help. And this other person is a Levite. Now, the Levites were like the assistant priests, basically. They um, think Jess today, right? James isn't here, so Jess is in charge. That's kind of the way it worked for them. Uh, they, They were also from the tribe of Levi, but they weren't descended from Aaron. So they would also work around the temple, but not quite uh, doing the jobs that the priests did. Now, I think the Levite probably had the same reasons as the priest, ceremonial uncleanness or um, (coughs) just the busyness. We're all busy, right? But here's another reason for him, the social influence. The slope of the road's going downhill, and if you're walking down a road that slopes down, you can see for miles and miles and miles ahead of you. And so what would he have seen? He'd have probably seen this guy beside the road a long way off. And he'd be working out in his head, right, when I get there, what should I do? Shall I stop? Shall I make this sacrifice? Oh, what if he is dead? I don't know how to handle this situation. 
But then he sees his boss, or one of his boss's peers, the priest, gets who is, ah, right, yeah, the priest will know what to do. He's wiser than I am. He'll have figured out all of this situation. I'm going to watch and see how he handles himself. And seeing the priest walk by, the Levite then, the decision's been made by someone else. He can defer to the wisdom of the priest. I wonder if sometimes we can do likewise as well. There are different influences on us. There are different things that shape how we think about opportunities to need, opportunities to meet needs. So maybe the house you grew up in. Did you grow up in a house where generosity was normal? Or did you grow up in a house where giving to others wasn't the done thing? That can influence the way we view this. Or and maybe particular friends you've got that, that love to give, or particular friends that hate to give, and uh, mouth off about, no, no, my money's my money. And that can shape us. Maybe it's just influences that you follow on social media. Where we see other people modelling a hardness of heart, sometimes that can become an excuse that we follow. But then we've got the other character, the unexpected hero of the story, the Samaritan. And he did help. But he too had reasons why he might not have done. He had things that would have made the case against meeting the need. So firstly, it was just personally very costly. So he had to give up some of his stuff, his oil, his wine, his bandages. They were his, but now he's used them. They're not his anymore. His animal, right? He was either riding the animal or it was bearing all his luggage for him. He's had to lay that down, give it up so that the man can be on it. His time. He's had to invest his time into it. And when he gets to the inn, he's also given his money. And we're told he gave two denarii. Let's translate that. We're talking somewhere between 150 and 200 pounds. So this isn't small change to help the guy. And then what he says is, if it costs more than that, if you need to give him more care, just add it to my account. And when I pass back through, I will settle that bill. It's the equivalent of saying, here's my credit card details. Whatever it costs, just charge it to me. He's bore a cost personally to help this man. And that's the whole point in giving, isn't it? When you give something, you don't have it anymore. It's sacrificial. And by sacrificing and laying something down, you've brought a blessing to someone else. When I had to stop and help the guy beside the road, what did I lay down? I laid down my plans for the evening. That's small. It's not, it's not a big deal. But the, the whole nature of it is I didn't get the evening that I had in mind. You give up something to help. But the other reason for the Samaritan not to help is that it wouldn't have been expected of people like him. Because he was a Samaritan. And there was a lot of tension in those days between the Jews and the Samaritans. Back hundreds of years before, uh, when the people uh, had been trying to follow God, but then turning away from God, there were two kingdoms. There was the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. The Northern Kingdom got invaded by foreign powers and just intermingled with them. They started living amongst them, worshipping the way the foreign powers worshipped, intermarrying with them, taking on all these um, practices from other religious groups. Whereas the southern kingdom, they had their ups and downs and issues, but they still stayed the course, by and large, of being the people of God. And so the Samaritans were the ones who'd come from the northern kingdom. And those in the south would view them with disdain. They're sellouts. They're the ones who've betrayed being the people of God and turned it into something else. And they were looked on as just awful 
people. The Jews had no respect for them. They didn't value them. They didn't speak well of them. And they couldn't imagine the idea that a Samaritan was helpful, righteous, or godly. Beth Moore puts it this way. Our common name for this parable would have been an oxymoron to many Jews of that era. Most would have believed there was no such thing as a good Samaritan. So imagine you're him. Imagine you're the Samaritan walking down the road. You see the priest hasn't helped. You see the Levite hasn't helped. And you're walking past and thinking, no one would even expect me to stop. No one thinks I'm worth anything. I could walk on by here and no one would say a word. I'd just be living up to expectations. I'd be playing my part. They'd be thinking this is for somebody else, not for me. I wonder when it comes to Give Big whether we have that attitude, whether we think, oh, well, yeah, they're talking about the give big and giving to the needy, but that's for other people. That's not for me. Other people will give. Other people will meet those needs. I wonder what would happen if everybody said that. If everybody in this story said someone else will do it, the man wouldn't get the help that he needed. If everyone said, oh, give big will be for somebody else, then none of these needs would get met. But as well as the reasons not to help, I'm going to give you two reasons that the Samaritan had in favour of helping the person by the road. And the first one, really simple, because there's a need. Because there's a man and he's about to die and if you don't help he'll be dead. So you can think about your ceremonial uncleanness, you can think about all the things you need to do tomorrow, you can think about the influence of other people or uh, whether it should be people like you or not, or the cost involved but doesn't that pale into insignificance? Well, this guy's going to be dead if you don't stop and help him. There's a need. It puts everything else into perspective. Martin Luther King says, I imagine that the first question the priest and Levi asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But by the very nature of his concern, the Good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? So he helps because there's a need, and then he helps because he can, because he's there, because he has the opportunity to do something good. And so he does it. Three things about that. Firstly, he shows compassion. That means his heart is switched on. He's not blind to what's going on. He's not letting it wash over him. He sees the need that's there, and his heart is woken up to it. Secondly, he cares. He does the things that's actually needed. He puts the bandages on the man. He gives him the oil. He gives him the wine. And thirdly, he does so at cost to himself. He bears the cost. I love this Give Big Sunday because of the heart of it, because it's not about us. It's about those who are in need. There is a need and we can help and we want to make a difference. I encourage you, as Jess encouraged you earlier, pray about what you can give. We're praying this week, God, what would you have us give as a family to this? I encourage you to do the same. But I want to finish just by telling you about the person who told the story. Because this wasn't just a story that Jesus made up. This was something he lived out. Jesus was the ultimate Good Samaritan, just like the guy walking down the road, he saw someone utterly in need, utterly down and out, who couldn't help himself. Well, isn't that the gospel? 
Who, who among us could have helped ourselves? We were in a predicament and a situation where by our own strength, we couldn't be saved. By our own power, we had nothing. We needed someone to rescue us. And Jesus came with compassion. Now, he, he could have had every reason to uh, stay with his Father in heaven, to not enter our world, to not enter our need. We were sinful. We were his enemies. We had turned against him. And yet he still had compassion for our need. And he came. And he cared. And he, he served. And he laid himself down. And he gave of himself. And he bore the cost. And that cost was his very life on the cross. If this Samaritan is an example of someone who showed compassion, care, and cost, well, how much more is Jesus? And isn't that what he has done for us? This is a story about someone who came across a need and did what he could and met the need. And it's told by someone who came across a need and did what he could and met the need. And now as people who've been saved by him, who've been called to follow him, and who are his disciples, he's calling on us to do the same. The story ends with the question, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among robbers? The answer is the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus says, now you go and do likewise. And that's the call on us, to go and do likewise, to show mercy, to meet needs. Yes, we're talking give big, but let's apply it more broadly. Let our life be a life full of compassion, care, and carrying the cost.